Mark chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. We were going to do verses 20 through 41 this morning, and I didn't make it that far. <laughs> we we probably going to get all we need out of 20 through 22, so we're just going to have a little short passage this morning. I uh, had, had thought about I ought to tell Jennings that we're going to be talking about Calvary and the cross, and maybe some of our songs can be that. And I, and I thought about it after Sunday school, and I said, oh, I forgot to tell him. I said, I could tell him right quick. I said, no, I'm on, I said, whatever the Lord's done, let him pick out. I'm going to just let him sing. And uh, lo and behold, would you believe, of all the songs to end on, we ended right at Calvary. And so I believe that's the Lord. Now, you may say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, you call it a coincidence. I call it the Lord. And uh, so that, those are always good affirmations when the Lord puts you on the same page. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Calvary. Mark chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. Jesus had been brought in on a mock trial. He had been, been sentenced to death. His own people chanted for him to be crucified. They had an option that Jesus could have been released to them, but instead they chose a murderous sinner. And they let the sinner go and they said, Jesus must pay the price. He must pay with his life. And so Pilate agreed and Jesus was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to be crucified. He was sentenced to be nailed to a cross where the worst of the worst criminals would be. And that's where we pick up the story today. Mark chapter 15, verse 20. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe, put his clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means school place. Let's pray. <coughs> father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these good words. God, I pray that you help your Holy Spirit to be with me as I preach and teach. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open all of our ears and our hearts God, I pray that you keep us free of the worries and the distractions of the world. We come in here, stuck, come in here, Lord, and we got stuff on our mind. We got worries on our mind. We got lots of stuff of the world that sometimes we kind of daydream a little bit. But I pray, God, that you help us to, to stay focused on your word. And I pray, God, that there's something that we see in your word today, something that we talk about that we need to hear. God, you know our hearts. You know what we're going through. You know what we need. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit will work on each person here in the way in which they need it today. Hide me behind the cross that I could preach good for you today, dear Lord. Take away any fear or pride I have. And God, may we focus entirely on you and give you the glory for all that happens today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. We see here in this passage that Jesus is being led away. He had been beaten. He had been mocked. They had placed this robe on him. They had placed this crown of thorns on him. Oh, you great king, here's the, here's the clothing that's worthy of a king. 
Of course, they were mocking him and all that they had done. And when the mocking had concluded and when he had been beaten, they took those robes off of him and they took his old clothes and they placed him on him and they led him away to be crucified. But along the, the way, we see a, an interesting tidbit of information here in verse 21. It says, They forced a man coming from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. Now, it is likely that Jesus may not have been able to carry his own cross by this point in time. If you have ever watched the movie The Passion of the Christ, you probably see that imagery in your mind as you read passages like these. If you have not watched it, I would encourage you to watch it. But, but, but when we see in that movie, and we get a, we get a visual image of, of the beatings that, that Jesus may have taken, what, what it may have looked like, and, and we, can, we can understand by this point that Jesus may not have physically been able to carry his cross. After all, he had been arrested in the middle of the night. Uh, a time had passed. It was in the middle of the morning by this point when all these things were beginning to take place and the beatings he had taken. He was, he was probably very weak by this point. And we, we know that at least at some point Jesus carried his cross because you know, we see that in John chapter 19, verse 17. It says of Jesus carrying his own cross, he went out to what is called Skull place, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. And so we know from John's account that at least in the beginning, Jesus began to carry his own cross. And for whatever reason, uh, possibly because Jesus was simply too weak and unable to carry it, for whatever reason, this man was called upon to carry the cross of Jesus. And his name was Simon, and he was a Cyrenian. But we have an interesting bit of information about him here. It says that Simon of Cyrenian was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, this is kind of an odd bit of information to put in the midst of this story. But it was information that was probably placed there for a purpose. Now, typically when you read of folks in, in the Bible you'll see the person's name, and they were son of somebody. Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, you know. We'll see the person's name, and we'll see their father's name, but, but this is a little different because it says Simon, the father of Alexander and of Rufus. And now the question is, as we look at this this morning, is there some significance to that? And I think that possibly there could be some significance to this passage. It may be easy for us to pass this over, but perhaps there is significance here. Now, these events of Jesus, when, when these things took place, when, when Matthew and Mark and Luke and John wrote about this, th these things, they would have wrote about it many years later, 20, 30 years later is when these things would have been written. So uh, it's not like they wrote these things down and the next day uh, uh, after they saw what took place and people would begin to read them. It was, it was many years that had passed after these events. And so it seems likely that Mark added this information because he knew his audience, some 20, 30, ever how many years it was later, would be able to connect the dots. Now, we may, we may do the same thing. If I were speaking to you, and I were to say, uh, if, I, if I were to say, and there was a man named Sonny, the father of, of, of Lee and Stephen, 
Well, everybody in here would know who that is. If I were writing something and I were to use those names, you instantly know who the person is. Now, if I were to write that in some other state, in some other country, I could say all three of those names and they would make, they would make no difference because they don't know the names I just mentioned, but we do. And so when we know people, we, we use the names in descriptive terms. That happens to me all the time. I'll go see some, somebody and they say, oh, did you know so-and-so was sick? And I'll say, I don't, I don't think I know them. And they say, oh, yeah, you do. That's so-and-so's sister. So-and-so was her mom and daddy. And I would say, no, I don't think I know. Oh, yeah, you remember them. And I'll be like, well, when did they die? Well, 1973. Well, I wasn't born until 83. So no, I don't. I don't but we do that, right? We, we make connections with family. We try to make kin. Oh, here's somebody that you may know that knows them or is related to them. That's the way we talk. That's the way we write. And that's the way that people in those days wrote too. And so it's likely, I believe, that Mark used this language because he figured his audience would know these people. Simon, the Cyrenian, the son of Alexander and Rufus. Now, what else do we know about him? Well, not much, but there is one thing that is worth considering, and that is found in Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Now, at the end of Paul's letters, he often refers to people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. He, he says something about them. So-and-so is here with me, or if you see so-and-so, tell them this, or I'm sending so-and-so to you. And he always lists these people who are, who are, who are brothers and sisters in Christ with him, and in Romans chapter 16, verse 13, he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Now here we see another mention of Rufus. And so far as I know, this passage that we're looking at in Mark and this passage in Romans are the only two mentions of Rufus in the New Testament. Now, it is possible, there's no way to know for sure, but it is possible that this is the same Rufus who is the son of Simon, which would make sense as to why Mark may have mentioned him, because he knew his audience would know Rufus. So what could we possibly take from this? Well, we cannot say for sure, but I think it's an interesting thing to consider that possibly that day that Simon had to carry the cross of Jesus, that maybe in that encounter he put his faith in Jesus. Now this is all, this is just a theory. Now the Bible doesn't tell us this, but it's a theory, and I think it's a good theory, that maybe that day the man that they got to carry Jesus' cross, who was Simon, became a Christian, and likewise his family became Christians. Perhaps he was a Christian before the event. But, but I think it's worth noting that Mark points this out to us. He points out this man, and he points out his children, and it may be for this reason. It may be that this Rufus here, the son of Simon, is the same Rufus, who was, a, who was a follower of Jesus Christ in, in, in the time that Paul wrote Romans. And maybe it's because of this event. And so it's easy to look at, look at little details like these in Scripture and pass by, oh yeah, it tells us the person and where he's from and who his kids are. But maybe there is some significance there that, that the original audience of Mark would have known, his readers would have got, something that we may miss. And so there's lots of little things like that in the Bible, and that's a, that's a fun thing, I think, for us to consider and, and, and think about when we read this passage. And so here we see Jesus, who had been beaten and had, had been led out and, and had begun by carrying his cross, and for whatever reason, Simon now has to take up that cross and has to carry it for Jesus, because Jesus cannot carry it for whatever reason at this point, and, and they are on a journey. 
They are on a journey. They've been in town. They've been in Jerusalem, but they are, they are leaving town. They're going to a place, a bad place, a mountain just outside of town, a mountain by the name of Golgotha. It means skull place. When we think of skulls, we think of death. This was a place of death. This was a place where people would be crucified. This was a place where the worst of the worst people would be taken and their life would be taken from them. And here is Jesus. And here is Simon as they are making their way to Golgotha, to the school place, to Calvary. Now, some of your translations will say Calvary. Of the, of the popular translations, I, I don't know if anything other than King James and New King James uses the word Calvary. Chances are, if you have anything that is not King James or New King James, it will say Golgotha, or it will say Skull Place. Now, Calvary is a fine word to use. There's nothing wrong with Calvary. Calvary is the, is the Latin word. There are some, some words in the King James translation that which they don't, they just, they just use the Latin, the Latin sound of the word instead of translating the meaning. Now, the, the more accurate translation would be Golgotha's Skull Place, because that would have been the name, that would have been the meaning of the place. But, but Calvary is a word that we, may, that we may use. It's become popular to us, and particularly in songs, because we sing about Calvary. But when we sing about Calvary or talk about Calvary, we're talking about a place, I believe on a hill called Mount Calvary. They may have decided that I believe on a hill called Golgotha didn't roll off the tongue as good. So he said, oh, let's kind of scratch that out. Let's go with Calvary. And so we sing songs like that. I believe on a hill called Mount Calvary. Right? We sing about Calvary. We just sung about it here before I started preaching today. And so we use that language, but when we use that language, we have to realize that it is significant. When we say Calvary, the reason it is significant is because what occurred there. It's the name of a location. It's the name of a place. But what happened at that location? What happened at that place? Well, think about this phrase for a moment. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Perhaps that's a phrase you heard or you learned in school. I'll give you a brief history lesson. This is no extra charge. This is, this is free charge this morning. Way back in the day, back in the 1800s, as Texas was trying to gain its independence from Mexico, there was a, a small group of, of, of people, about 200 people, and part of that group of people was old Davy Crockett, the king of the wild frontier, and they were set up camp in the Alamo. They were trying to protect it. They were trying to hold off uh, Antonio Lopez de Santa Anta, who was coming with the Mexican army. And they numbered into the thousands. And they came upon the Alamo, and those who were there at the Alamo, they fought. And they fought hard to no avail. They lost. The Santa Anta and the army came among them and overtook them. And almost everybody was killed. They let a few go to go back and, and get the message out to the rest of them what had happened. But almost all those people there at the Alamo were killed. And so... Sometime later, as Sam Houston was leading another group of troops in the Battle of San Jacinto, they used that as their rallying cry. Remember the Alamo! 
Remember those who have fallen. Remember those who have fought. Remember the sacrifice that was made. Remember the Alamo. Let that be our rallying cry. And lo and behold, Sam Houston and the boys overtook the Santa Ana. And Texas gained their independence. And so we see phrases like that even in our culture. Even in our, our, our more modern day, we see those things. And that's actually the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about Calvary for whatever reason. The Alamo popped into my head. Remember the Alamo. And when we talk about Calvary, we're not just, we're not just saying a word. We're talking about a place. We're talking about events that occurred. We're talking about something that happened there. As tragic and as difficult as it was, it's our rallying cries, Christians. We come to Calvary. Why? Because it was at Calvary that Jesus stood up and said, I will give my life. Because that's what it takes to win the battle. That's what it takes to fight against the enemy. That's what it takes for sin to be forgiven. And it was on that mountain at Golgotha, at the skull place, at Calvary, that Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. And here in this passage, we see that Jesus is marching on his way to Calvary. And so when we speak of Calvary, when we talk of Calvary, when we sing of Calvary, let it be a, a rallying place for us. Let us recall what happened there. Let us recall what Jesus did there. Let us go there for comfort. Let us go there for strength. Let us go there for encouragement. For where else can we go other than the cross on Calvary? There is nowhere else that we can go. And there that day, Jesus carrying his cross and then Simon carrying his cross carried it all the way up to Calvary. And there Jesus gave his life for us for the forgiveness of sins. But what do we make of the cross? What do we take from the cross? What do we take from this experience? Well, Jesus carried the cross to Calvary and there he gave his life. Jesus carried the cross to Calvary but we have to carry it the rest of the way. From Calvary onward, it's Jesus' people who carry the cross. Jesus tells us this. Before he ever was nailed to the cross, before this day ever came, Jesus tells us this in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. He said, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Now praise the Lord. Jesus died on the cross that day for us so that our sins would be forgiven. But that does not mean that our life is going to be easy. And Jesus says so much here. Because the idea of, of carrying a cross is, is, is not a good thing. It's not a good thing, especially in those days. That's, that's difficulty, that's pain, that's suffering. And if you carry in your cross, you're carrying it to Calvary. You're carrying it to the skull place. And that's the very language that Jesus uses for his followers. He says, if anyone wants to come with me, you must carry your cross. You've got to pick up your cross daily and you've got to carry it. What is he saying? He's saying, following me is difficult. He's saying, following me is tough. 
There are going to be days where you're going to say, I can't carry this cross any further. I can't do it. It's too tough. It's too painful for me to take a stand for Jesus. It's too painful for me to try to do the right thing. It's too painful to try to keep going on in this life. I cannot carry this cross anymore. And that's why it's important for us to remember, one, we must go to Jesus. Because just as someone helped him carry his cross, so he will help us to carry ours. And two, we must be there for one another. There are a lot of burdens. You know it. I know it. It's a lot of stuff that goes on in our life, right? There are things sometimes that go on in our church. There are things that go on in our families. There are things that go on in our jobs. And I'm talking about serious burdens. I'm talking about things that weigh on us, that, that physically just drain us, that mentally we are at our wits end. We're going to pull our hair out. We can't take it anymore. We get prickly and we don't want anybody to be around us and say anything to us. And, and, and we get times where we just, we just we cannot make it. We cannot go on. How am I going to do this? How am I going to overcome this sickness? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to keep up with this job? How are things going to straighten out at church? And we have all of these things that are burdens to us, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we seek God, hopefully. That needs to be the first place we go. And God is good to us. And God takes care of us. And sometimes the way that God takes care of us is through each other. Sometimes we pray, God, this person needs help. God, help them. But maybe, just maybe, the prayer that you're praying is a prayer that God wants you to do. Maybe God wants you to be the help that he sends. Now, we, we believe that God can act in miraculous ways. I believe he does. There's no question about that. But sometimes the way God chooses to act is through you and through me. And so sometimes when there's a need, when there's a burden, and we pray to God for it, maybe, let the Holy Spirit lead you, but, but maybe God is calling you to meet that burden. Maybe God is calling you to go give that person a hug and go to their house and to pray for them, to provide for them in their time of need. It may be you that God wants to use. And Jesus tells us that if we are going to follow him, it's going to be difficult, that we must take up our cross. And throughout this whole life, brothers and sisters in Christ, we carry this cross. And sometimes it gets heavy. But may God give us the strength to carry our cross. And may God help us to carry the burdens and the crosses of others when they cannot go on any further. We can do it. We can do it not by our strength, but by the strength of God. We can do it not by our strength alone, but our strength as a church body. We can do it because that day Jesus took the beatings. He took the mocking. He took his cross and he carried it up to Calvary. And when he got to the top of the hill, the worst was yet to come. And he was stretched out on that cross and he was nailed to that cross. And that cross was stood at the top of Mount Calvary so that he could give his life for you and me. So that we would have hope. Because without Jesus Christ, we'd be left with the suffering and the burdens of this world that we could never carry on our own. We would carry them through this life and we would die to an eternity in the lake of fire without Jesus Christ. But Jesus says, I'm going to Calvary so that you've got a better way out. So that when you've finished this life and when you're done carrying your cross, you will be with me. 
And so let us remember Calvary. Let us remember Jesus. Let us remember the sacrifice. Let us remember his love. Let us remember his pain. Let us remember his suffering. Let us remember that Jesus has gone through everything that we deserve so we do not have to. Let us remember that Jesus has took our wrath so that we can receive God's grace. Let us, brothers and sisters, when we sing about Calvary, remember what it stands for and let that be our strength in times of trouble. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these good words. And God, I pray that you help us to grow in your word and to learn your word, to know your word. And God, when we think about Jesus and we think about Calvary, God, let us know that that, that word, that that place has significance. It is an important place. It is probably the most important place that there's ever been in this, in, on this earth, dear Lord. But we thank you that Jesus was willing to go that day. We thank you that he was willing to take all the beating. We thank you that he was willing to carry that cross. We thank you, dear Lord, that he gave his life on Calvary. And God, I pray that if there is one in this room that has, that has not placed their faith in Jesus, that today that they would do it. God, that today that they would find strength in Jesus. They would find forgiveness in Jesus. God, maybe there are some here today and they're yours. Maybe they just need to come before the foot of the cross today. Maybe it's because of a worry they have or a fear they have. Maybe it's a sin that needs to be confessed, dear Lord. Maybe it's anger in the heart or hatred or bitterness. God, whatever it is in our life, you know it's there. Sometimes there are things that don't need to be there. So God, I pray that we'd seek you. God, I pray that you would help us as we carry our heavy loads that we have. And God, I pray that you help us to, to have our, our spirit tuned in to when you speak, God when there are needs, when there are burdens that we can help with. God, there are days that we are weak and we need people to help carry us. And God, there are other days when, when those around us are weak and we want to be faithful, dear Lord, to help carry them, to carry them with our strength, to carry them with our encouragement, to carry them with our finances. God, in whatever way we need to, dear Lord, let us be able to help those and ease their burden if you give us the, the opportunity and the ability to do it. I thank you for these good words and for this good day. And I pray that you bless us as we prepare to close this service. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.